to the pie, living life beyond slices. I'm often asked, what the heck does this topic mean? In writing my first book, More Room to the Pie, Living Life Beyond Slices, I'm gonna take you through a journey where I'm gonna marry my background and the journey that wrapped into some topic headings called chapters in the book. But before we go, let's get a commonality on a couple of terms. When you hear me talk about the word pie, I'm talking about what represents life. And when you hear me talk about the word slices, I'm actually talking about symbolic for experiences or the things you've gone through. Now I went and I looked up many definitions on slices and the best definition that I found was actually from the freedictionary.com and it says slices are a thin piece cut from a larger object. And that got me to think, why would I want a slice when I can have the whole? And that actually led me to write this book. Most people look at life half empty or half filled. The whole meaning of the book is, why be half anything? Why not live life to the full until it overflows? One of the chapters in the book, Slice Versus the Whole. It's 1992. I just graduated from high school. I wanted to go to college and I applied to two different schools. One school gave me a real nice letter back saying, sorry, we're not going to accept you. The other school gave me a real nice accepting letter. But guess what? I didn't get enough financial aid and grants and scholarships to cover the actual tuition. This was a slice. I was devastated. What was I going to do? And my dad actually came and told me, he said, why don't you consider going to this great school that I heard called Moraine Valley Community College? So two weeks before the fall semester of 92, I enrolled, became a college student, was working on the weekend to pay for my college tuition. But the beginning of the college experience felt like a slithers, felt like a slice, didn't feel like the whole. But by the time I graduated in 1994 with my associate's degree, the first one in my family to get a college degree, I felt whole. My family felt whole. I no longer felt like a slice. Then came 1994. DePaul University. I'm a freshman at DePaul University. It's the first time I've ever been at a university of this magnitude. First day of class, I actually am on the platform. And in this chapter, I'm talking about a slice of lies. Everybody that's here today, I want you to do something. I like to be interactive. I want you to repeat these words. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Come on, everybody together. That's how I felt because as I was coming down the platform, and if you've ever taken public transportation in the city of Chicago, it's a nightmare, it's an experience just coming down the stairs. I'm coming down the stairs and by the time I get to the last step, a little voice in my head says, you're not gonna make it. There's no way you can be successful. This thing is bigger than you. And I step back from off that step and say, wait a minute, this is a lie. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Somebody's lying to me right now in my thoughts. This school is not bigger than me. So I stepped off that stair and I, I actually confronted the lie by living out day by day. 1997, DePaul University. Now, I applied to be the keynote commencement speaker at DePaul. 
I was the first African-American male commencement speaker to speak at DePaul University's liberal arts uh, graduation. Both Eli Wazell and myself both spoke. But what if I had to believe that slice of lie and stepped off of that stair and went back up to the train to go back home to go somewhere else? I would have missed a grand opportunity. 1997, I worked at at DePaul University as a manager in the library. I almost became a, a librarian, believe it or not. But while working at DePaul, I had actually hit a ceiling. John Maxwell calls it the law of the lid, but I actually hit a tipping point where I couldn't grow anymore working at DePaul University. So I left DePaul. Now this slice in the chapter is called the slice of toil and labor. Left DePaul and took a job working at a small uh, office supply company in the city of Chicago in 1997 and I started off in customer service and I'm telling you the way the good Lord opens up opportunities he'll open up a door and you got to run right through it so I ran and took this opportunity in customer service and before I knew it I was in management again and I'm growing within this company and two years go by three years go by we're getting all kind of business from around the city I'm traveling all over the place and we had a VP position open so I go to the president and I say hey I like to actually have this VP position because I had been toiling I had been laboring I had been putting in all type of long hours I had been neglecting family time so that I can understand how this business ran and then he said these magic words seven years from now maybe you'll have the VP position I said what you may not even be here in seven years so here again, I, I hit another tipping point and hit another ceiling. Slice of toil and labor. And this taught me that life has to be more than just work. We have to have more than 40 years in a watch. We're human beings. And I had devoted so much time and energy and effort. And I made them so much money. And I felt like all my toil and all my labor had gone in vain. So I, I went and talked to my wife. I said, you know what? I think I could start my own business. Nine, I mean, 2002. I, what I've done for him, I think I could replicate it and do it for myself. This is the slice of comparison. So I began with very little money in that slice of comparison window. Started a company called Global Ink and Accessories. And in that moment, I started in my daughter's bedroom, used my parents' garage as a warehouse. Thank God for public storage in U-Haul. Those also became my, my warehouse facilities. The company is growing. I now have four employees. I now have 30 independent contractors. I now have three locations. I mean, we're rolling now. I'm feeling good. You know, I'm a kid from the hood. You know, I'm feeling real good. And I'm sitting at a table with some other small business presidents, and we're talking about our journey. We're talking about our story, this chapter about the slice of comparison. And one of the presidents began to talk to me about his journey, and his journey and my journey sounded the same. It sounded, now apples and oranges are both fruit, but they're different. We're sitting next to each other. He tells me about his journey, and he tells me in his first year of business, he did over $300,000 in business. Now I'm looking at this, I'm like, now wait a minute. I started in business too, and it took me a couple years to get over $300,000. How the heck did you do it in one year or less? And I was comparing myself to this other president, all those feelings of insecurity and all those feelings of I can't do this start to come on. But then as he continued to talk, he said, oh, and by the way, 
the company that I started, I got all the business from a company that was going out of business. So in that moment, in that slice of comparison, that slice was me comparing myself to that other person. I learned in this moment that I will no longer compare myself to anybody else because I am beautifully and wonderfully made. December 17th, 2010. This is a day that I'll never forget. Mind you, as you've been going on this journey in my background to kind of incorporate this topic, December 17, 2010 was a day like none other. On December 17, 2010, there were two things that actually made it in the news, and there was one little piece that didn't make it in the news. The federal prosecutors had announced that Madoff, the Ponzi scheme, that the victims of the Ponzi scheme had a settlement worth $7.2 billion. Also on December 17th, I mean, I'm telling you, this day is etched in my brain. The movie Tron, the feature film, opened in over 3,400 theaters, and it grossed over $44 million. Here's something that didn't make the news. That same company that I had started, now almost 10 years later, I had to sell all of our inventory. I found jobs for all of our employees. The movers had moved everything out of all three of my offices, and I'm sitting in my executive chair, my executive office's office, wondering what the heck am I going to do next? This was my dream. This was going to be the big thing that I was going to turn over to my children. See, I came from nothing, although I had a great foundation and a mother and a father, but we didn't have a lot. But I tell you, you couldn't have told me as a kid I didn't have a lot. But in this moment, I was by myself. The, the guy that's always up is now down. The guy that, that's the life of the party, now there's no party in me. No more VIP parties, no more tickets to the private events. I was alone in my chair by myself. These are the pillars that got me through that moment. And I talk about this also in the book. My faith in Jesus. I'm a very spiritual man, but my faith in Jesus got me through that moment. My loving wife. I'm telling you, I can tell my wife, baby, we're going to the moon. She said, when we pack and leave? My loving wife got me through that moment, and I talk about that in the book. My children, they also were pillars. My beautiful daughters, Kaylin and Casey, got me through that moment. See, it was something bigger than me. I couldn't allow depression to seep into my mind. I had to get out of that bed after week one and week two. I said, there's more to life than just me. I've got to live beyond this moment. So my children encouraged me to keep going, and then supportive parents. Remember that story earlier I talked about how my dad encouraged me after I didn't get in that one school and got into the other but didn't have the financing to go to Moraine Valley Community College? My parents gave me the added support and the strength that I needed to make it through this moment. But there were some transformative moments that happened during the course of this time. Four things. I learned how to play golf, but this is subjective because I'm still learning. I began acting as a hobby because I said, I can't stay idle in this place. I've got to come out of this place. Now, I didn't have direction. I didn't know which way to go. So I began acting on the side just to do something. And I did a commercial and did a TV pilot and, and did a feature film and a couple of independent projects. And then I started to volunteer because I said, again, life is bigger than me. I, I'm going to volunteer at the Workforce Development Center to help people get their GED and get jobs. So I did that because, again, it was bigger than me and then 
I began to write. I'm not a big journaler, but I began to write and my, my words became sentences and my sentences became paragraphs and my paragraphs became chapters and my chapters turned into the book. More Room to the Pie, Living Life Beyond Slices. Now, here's another chapter that I talk about in the book, and if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of read it, not truly verbatim, but I'm going to kind of read it. And it says this. This is in the chapter that I talk about the slice of regret. And I say, I'm, I'm repeating this out loud. I should have sold that business to the company that made me the offer five years ago. Um, today, I would have been a minority stakeholder in a $10 million company. This went on for about an hour. And, and then my vivacious, sexy wife just said, why are you living life in the rear view mirror of regrets? This not only helped to shape and fashion the last chapter of my book, but this angelic voice helped to shape and fashion my life forever. No longer do I live in regrets. And I wrote, I wrote different stories and, 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 and subjects relative to the, the power of living in regrets in this. Martin Luther King said this, if I can't fly, then run. If I can't run, then walk. If I can't walk, then crawl. But, but, but whatever you do, keep moving forward. So here's how I move forward. Because I'm a firm believer, never get stuck in a bad situation. One of the ways that I moved forward was I had to reinvent myself. Not only did I write in my journal, not only did I start the thought process to start writing a book, but I reinvented myself. I went back to school. And as an adult learner, I was looking for learning where I can get in an online format because I'm trying to rebuild my life and get things back, back going again. So I went back to school. Then after getting that uh, master's degree, then I said, okay, this is not enough. I need to go a little bit further. But I did one more thing that's very important to you coming out of the ashes of life. I went and talked to three specific mentors. Mentor number one, he and I served together on a board and he said to me, he was the president of Olive Harvey College. Uh, his name was um, Dr. Clyde Alamine. And we're sitting on this board. And I said, hey, Clyde, man, I'm trying to rebuild my life. I'm doing some things. What in the world can I do next? He said these prophetic words. You should consider the community college. I'm like, what the heck? I, I don't, you know, at that time, I didn't even have my master's degree. What in the world am I going to do at a community college? I'm not ready to teach. He said, you're missing it. You should go into workforce and economic development with your business acumen and your history work in higher ed. You would be perfect. I said, all right. So then I went and talked to another mentor back at DePaul University. So that's why it's very important. If I'm talking to students, it's very important not to burn those bridges along the way. I went and talked to some of the mentors that had mentored me back at DePaul when I was in management. I said, hey, I'm in transition. What do you think I should do? And again, another prophetic voice spoke and said, you should consider the community cause. Now, wait a minute. I said, now, you know, I'm a pretty smart brick, but it doesn't take the brightest brick in the building to figure out. I've heard it, one person say community college. About a week or two later, somebody else who doesn't know that say the community college. And then I went back home and I was talking to my wife. And I said, hey, you know, here is where I am. I don't know quite what direction I'm going to go. She said, do. She said, have you considered working in the what? A little bit louder. Community. The community college. I said, wait a minute. Light bulb came on. 
So three things I want you as an audience that are here and those that are watching to do. What's your slice? What's holding you back? Three things that you have desired to do that maybe you've not done. Do this and adopt this phrase. I live in the moment of I can do all things and not in the past of I could not or the fragmented present of I cannot. See, life is very subjective. It's always how you see it. And those are some of the things that I talk about in my book. And as I come to a close, one of the people that I've really admired and followed, and that's Dr. Howard Thurman, and he was a very influential African-American author and philosopher and theologian. And he said these words, and I want them to seep in your inner man, and you never forget this. Dr. Thurman said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who come alive. I'm Jermaine Ford. More room to the pie was my topic, and I'm sticking to it.